0: Welcome to Apologetics Talk Radio with your host, Marty Mento, the Christian talk radio show that helps you learn the Word of God so that you may teach others and defend biblical truth. Now, here's your host, Marty Mento. Well, welcome back to Apologetics Talk Radio here on the ATR Network with your host, Marty Mento. And I am just so delighted that you have decided to tune into this podcast here today. And I really hope and pray that you're not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ, He is our Lord, our Savior, our King. He is our everything. And we want the whole world to know about Jesus Christ. He is the gospel, the good news. And that good news comes from God. It's God's gospel. It's God's power unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Well, once again, uh, it's a blessing to be here. And I am so delighted to be here in the captain's chair. And I look forward to uh, this podcast here today. As we continue on from the last podcast, in which we talked about grace, the grace of God, Um, and wondering whether or not you understand the grace of God in truth, which was uh, really a question that came about from reading Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. And um, the the truth of the matter is, we need to understand uh, God's grace. Uh, we, we need to understand it, because if we don't have a good grasp and handle on that, I, I am convinced that it affects us in our walk, in the way that we live our lives as Christians. It affects us in the way that we uh, handle those in the world who are still lost, who are unregenerated. And uh, again, it's something that I think today that there is much ignorance on the subject now, as I mentioned in the prior podcast, there are those who go to the extent or extreme of hyper grace, which we had to be careful of that. But we have to understand the grace of God, and uh, I told you it all stemmed from uh, reading this uh, billboard outside of a church that said, "Salvation begins with repentance," and that is not true. Salvation does not begin with repentance. Salvation begins with the grace of God, it begins with God. Uh, and God gets all the glory, he gets all the credit, uh, we don't. And that's why this uh, podcast, especially this series, to me is so important. And uh, we want to continue in that vein and talk about this. And we learned last time that grace is the unmerited or undeserved favor of God. When we talk about God's favor, we're talking about his goodness, his kindness, his mercy uh, that is brought forth uh, toward unbelievers, towards those who are lost, the sinners, uh, those who have missed the mark, uh, those who are sick and need a physician, as Jesus referred to. All throughout the Word of God, uh, we see this contrast between God and mankind. God is holy, man is not. Uh, And so as we look at this topic of grace, we want to continue uh, here today. And last time I left off with the big question. And the big question was, if you were to stand before God and God were to say to you someday when you go into eternity, why should I let you into my heaven, what would your answer be? And again, that was a question that was posed by the late uh, D. James Kennedy, uh, who was the founder of Evangelism Explosion. It's a great question. I've used it quite often over the years, and I have, I've listened to a, a myriad of responses and most of them, truthfully, not biblical, Uh, which to me demonstrates the reality of where they're at or what they believe about salvation and God's work in salvation. Now, I ask you that question, and I'm not sure how you responded, but let me just uh, try to be as simple as I can. If your response to the question from God, why should I let you into my heaven? If the response has anything to do with you, then you don't truly understand salvation and the grace of God. You don't understand because you are putting yourself into the equation. You are finding a way to merit. You are finding a way to gain. You are finding a way to accomplish your salvation. And I have to be honest with you, this is a real issue today that is larger than life. Uh, And the reason is, is because, as I mentioned in the prior podcast, we have so many people that want to be in the driver's chair in life and in everything that we do, we want to be in charge. We want to determine what we do, when we do it, how we do it. And um, we talk about the issue of free will and what that is all about, and when it comes to salvation, many believe, hey, listen, I am the one who chooses Christ. I'm the one who chooses to be saved. I am the one who determines that I'll go after God, that I'll seek him, and that he'll save me. Uh, There are those who believe they deserve heaven uh, when they die. They believe that they've done enough good things— they didn't do too many bad things, etc. Or you even have the person to the extreme who says, I'll never be in heaven because I've done too many bad things, or the bad things that I've done go beyond what you could ever imagine. And all of this is truly a lack of understanding. It's ignorance when it comes to salvation, when it comes to the Word of God and what God says in regards to his salvation. Remember, he's the one who saves us. He's the one who delivers us. He is the one who uh, makes us alive when we are dead spiritually. He's the one who rescues us. Salvation belongs to the Lord. That's why, as I said before, salvation is monergistic, not synergistic. It's not God doing His part; that I'm doing my part. And that is actually in the area of sanctification after we're saved. We, we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, but still God is at work in us. So we got to be careful. It's a fine balance, but salvation is monergistic. Uh, God, he who began the good work in you, will complete it to the very end, Philippians 1.6. Uh, we have to understand verses like this and the depth of their meaning. But as we were asking this question— what would you say to God? If your answer, if your response has anything to do, listen carefully, anything to do in any way, shape, or form with uh, you, you don't understand. You, you are confused. You are um, uh, being maybe misled. Maybe someone is instructing you wrong or teaching you wrong. The truth of the matter is, it all has to do with God. It all has to do with God sending his only begotten son. It all has to do with Christ and what the life that Christ lived that you and I could not live. It has to do with his suffering and his death for our sins, his burial, his resurrection. It has to do with all that Jesus has done and accomplished that we could not and we can never. It's all about Jesus. So our response should be, Just simply the reality of who God is and who we are, and what He has done for us, in spite of the fact that we are lost, we are sinners, we've missed the mark, uh, we are hostile towards God, we're enemies of God, uh, we're evil, we're wicked, we're depraved, we're spiritually dead, the list goes on. But the grace of God, God is the one who bestows, God is the one who's the dispenser of His grace, of His kindness of his goodness, of his mercy, of his unmerited favor, undeserved favor. Um, we don't deserve it. Uh, we can't uh, merit it. We can't work for it. We, we can't own it. We, we can't uh, buy it, purchase it. It belongs to God. And that's what grace is about. It's all about God and what God has done for us, a holy, righteous, just God who's the ultimate judge what he has done for those of us who are guilty, those of us who deserve his wrath, his punishment, his just punishment, etc., etc., etc. And that's why, in this podcast, I really want to deal with a verse that, to me, uh, I really believe, as Christians, uh, should be on the forefront of our hearts and our minds. Uh, we should constantly... Uh, remind ourselves of this verse, but we should be constantly using this verse, too, uh, in our evangelism, in our witnessing to people, in our testimony, in our discussion about Jesus and why Jesus and who Jesus is. But here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, and I think you probably know where I may be going, but Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 are of the utmost importance. Uh, and I'll tell you why. First of all, when it comes to Ephesians chapter one or two, uh, one and two, excuse me, Ephesians one and two is what I have called many years ago the mystery of salvation uh, revealed to us. It's it's God's will and His work revealed. A lot of people uh, have a problem with salvation, soteriology, understanding it. And I, and I still say to you that there are aspects of it that, uh, again, as we continue to study, as we continue to work our way through the Scriptures, but what we see is we see God doing what only God can do. I realize this more and more, uh, you know, especially the older I get, uh, the more mature, hopefully, in the faith I get. I, I can't save anyone. I never could save anyone. Uh, The truth of the matter is, I am the one who heralds, who proclaims, who brings forth the gospel, the good news to a world that is lost. Uh, I can pray for people's salvation. I I can turn to God and ask God to save them, to open their eyes, uh, to take the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, that that God, that they would be born from above— Uh, and that he would place his Spirit within them. I I can pray. I I have a desire. I want to see people saved. I I have a list of people that I know and don't know very well that I come across, and I kind of keep this list of people that I pray for, and I pray for their salvation because I am concerned, because I believe based upon the Word of God, that an individual who does not believe, who does not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ— Will someday experience when they leave this world into eternity, they will experience the judgment, the wrath of God in a place called hell. They will suffer and be in torment for all eternity. And I base that upon what God has said, not because that's what Marty Minto says. It's because what God says, and his wrath will be upon them. And it's based upon what Jesus has said. Uh, Quite often I I remind people, yet you know, The verses that are very familiar to most people in our world, you know, most people don't understand. It's a good thing to read before and to read after and to really get the whole context of a passage. But I think of John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, obviously right there, if people don't believe in him, they will perish. They're going to perish. And then it goes on to say, for God did not send a son into the world to judge the world, but that the world be saved through him. So the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is whether or not we believe we put our faith, our trust. Ultimately, that's what it's about, putting our trust in Jesus Christ, the life that he lived that we could not live, uh, the punishment that he took upon the cross that we ourselves could not uh, face, uh, in order to be reconciled, and in, in order to be saved, in order to be forgiven, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And, and obviously his burial and his resurrection, the, the proof that he truly was the Son of God, the Messiah. Uh, he was the one that, again, death could not hold him in the grave. Uh, and again, eternal life is for us who believe, as he is the example, the firstborn, the first one who truly demonstrated to us by truly resurrecting from the dead. Um, and, And I could go on and on about that, and we'll talk about that more later. But it says here, he who believes in him, verse 18, is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. So the person who doesn't put their faith or trust in Jesus Christ, they're already judged. So when they leave this world, they are already judged. Uh, because they've not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And, and in First John, John chapter 5, I think it's verse 10, talks about the, that those uh, who don't believe, basically, uh, you're calling God a liar, because you have not believed in his only begotten Son in which he sent into this world. It says the one who believes in the Son of God has uh, the witness in himself. The one who does not believe— has uh has not believed God, has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne concerning his son. So we see this this reality. We we think it's still in the same chapter. Uh, John chapter three, if you go down to the very end, verse thirty-six, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son or believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So we could go on and on. There's scripture, many scripture references to this. So that's why I tell people that your judgment, a lot of people believe when they die, they're going to stand before this big tribunal court, before God, and then God at that point in time, he is going to deal with them. Well, the truth of the matter is your judgment has already been rendered. If you do not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ before your last breath, your last heartbeat, before your soul leaves your body, Uh, you are going to face the wrath, the judgment of God in a place called hell. I believe this with everything that's in me. That's why I proclaim the good news. That's why I want to tell everybody. All the world needs to hear, because Christ is the only answer. He's the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father. Except what? Through him. He is the only way. It's it's not Buddhism. It's not not, uh, Scientology. Uh, You know, it's not Islam, it's not whatever you want to stick there. Um, It is through Jesus Christ, period. No matter who you are, Jew or Greek, it makes no difference. The bottom line is simply this, people need Christ. All men need a Savior. All men are guilty before God. Uh, So this is what stirs me, this is what continues to push me, because I realize this reality I realize it through the word of God, the truth that God speaks, because God is not a liar. And as I study going back to Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, it's the mystery of salvation. We begin to get a look, a good, wholesome look at what salvation is about. Where did it start? Well, it starts with God. And uh, it also gives us a picture in there why it starts with God, because we're spiritually dead, Uh, we're neck crossed, we're a corpse. We need God to make us alive. We need God to do something that only God can do. Man can't do it. Uh, Another man can't do it. God is the only one. God is the only one who saves. God is the only one who can reconcile. God is the only one who can forgive. God is the only one who can uh, bless and bring forth eternal life to someone. It's God's grace. It's his unmerited, undeserved favor that is bestowed, that is dispensed to us his creation. Now, here's the passage that all of us should know. We should hold on to it like never before. We mentioned in the last podcast that all men are saved the same way by the grace of God. It starts with God's grace. It starts with God, his grace being dispensed. Now listen to this in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. Now, if you knew I was going there, the question is do you know those two verses? Do you really know them? Have you taken time to break them down and think about them? Because many people, I don't believe, have, even in the church. And if we understood this, and we understood these two verses, and we would understand, especially in chapter 2 of Ephesians, the picture of mankind, the picture of us who are now saved, what we used to be like, I really believe it would do something to the church. And this is why I'm constantly proclaiming the gospel. Because in the good news, in proclaiming the good news, which is all about Jesus, there is bad news. And i got to be honest with you, I just taught about this a couple weeks ago, and I firmly believe that with all that is within me, that if you are not talking about sin and presenting the gospel, you're not presenting the gospel. You're not presenting the good news. Uh, you're presenting something, but it's not the gospel. Matter of fact, I, it was it, w- it was kind of astonishing. But about a week later, uh, somebody put up on Facebook uh, the statement by Dr. John MacArthur, who's one of my favorite Bible teachers. Um, he's just truly a man of God. A great insight, grace to you if you've never had a chance to listen to uh, his preaching teaching. It's just it's good stuff. But here's what Dr. MacArthur says: a gospel that does not confront sin is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. And so what I'm trying to say to you, in the midst of presenting the good news, the gospel, there's bad news. And the bad news deals with man. And you've heard me say this, and I'm sure for many of you out there who listen to my podcast, you may say the ABCs of Christianity. Well, call them what you want, but I still don't think a lot of people get it. When you Why the good news is good news is because there's bad news. The bad news is about you. You need to hear the good news that there is a way, there is the answer, there is hope, Uh, there is eternal life, there is forgiveness, there is reconciliation with God. Uh, And it's all because of what God has done. It is all through the person of Jesus Christ. And I can't stress this enough. So I go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and listen to what it says right off the bat. For by grace you have been saved. Stop right there. Going back to the first podcast here in this series, all men are saved by grace. Salvation begins with grace, the grace of God. It doesn't begin with me and making a choice, making a decision, being determined. It begins with God. For by grace you've been saved. So we are reminded by the Apostle Paul as he writes his letters to the church at Ephesus, we are reminded how we're saved by grace. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't gain it in any way, shape, or form. I mean, we're wicked, spiritually dead. Uh, we're enemies. We're haters of God prior to salvation. It even says in chapter 2 that you're dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. So in other words, all man is the same. You may be thinking today, and I think this happens to a lot of people who truly um, are saved um, or think they're saved, maybe, that they're better, (laughs) that somehow they were special, that God did something for them because they weren't so bad or didn't do this and didn't do that or, you know, did do this and did do that, that somehow uh, they were ahead above the rest. But, but what's amazing about Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, if you study it and take the time and break it down, let me tell you right now, the mystery of salvation is revealed. It's all about God. It's not about you. But it also paints a picture, which you could cross-reference, and just shows how wicked, depraved a person truly all human beings are. They're sinners who deserve the wrath of God. And the wage of sin is what? Death. Romans 6.23. The wage that all men—I mean, we all come from Adam. And because of the judgment placed upon Adam, death has spread to all men. It tells us very distinctively and clearly in the book of Romans. Um, And and if you study that, I I tell you right now, it it is mind-boggling because you begin to get the picture and the reality of what you're all about. Go to Romans chapter 5. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, justice through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin. So, death spread to all men because all sinned. So, here we have a picture of what man is all about. And see, that's where the gospel and why it's so important. Because before um, the good news can resonate, man has to realize what he's all about. Um, I am convinced no matter what the man may be, who the man may be, all men, according to God, are sinners. All men have missed the mark. All men, by nature, are children of wrath. So men come into this world as children of wrath. Unless... There is something that has changed. Unless something is done, we'll say, simply by God, that individual will experience the wrath of God, the judgment, the just punishment of God in a place called hell. And this is not a joke. You know, a lot of people used to, you know, and it's still many people say today, well, you know, come on, it's, it's, that's so narrow-minded. I mean, there has to be more than one way. There's not. If there is more than one way, Jesus is a liar. We can't trust him because he's the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one come to the Father who is what? In heaven, except through me. N- not, nobody can get to heaven. Nobody can go to the Father. Nobody uh, can experience eternal life, bliss, joy, uh, peace, th- th- this all that that is that which is just... Um, we look forward to, it ain't going to happen unless it's through Jesus Christ. He is the way. And we must truly repent, change the way we think, change our minds, which ultimately changes our direction, but we must turn from our sin, turn to Christ. We must put our faith, our trust in him, that he is God's answer. He is the only answer for that just penalty that is on all of us, no matter who you are. And and once again, if we don't understand this picture, we don't understand the grace of God. We don't understand, listen, I don't deserve it. I remember growing up in the church, and I go back, and I I want to be careful of this because I just shared this not too long ago with a couple folks. I don't talk about my past. I don't. Matter of fact, I have trouble with people who do. And here's why I am ashamed of my past. Most people don't know anything about Marty Minto. They don't. Now I could tell you I never killed anyone. Uh, yes, along the way I hoped some people would die. I wish they were dead, which is not a good thing. But and I'm not proud of that. But I'm just saying to you that any aspect of my life prior to Christ. I am ashamed of. I'm ashamed because I know now who I was and what I was all about. And and I really believe today, and again, a lot of people get upset and say, you know, that's the problem. You're old-fashioned. All you want to talk about is sin, and you seem like you want to condemn. No, I'm telling you as one who stood guilty, just as anybody, I deserve the wrath of God. I deserve the just judgment of God in a place called hell. But because of God's grace, his unmerited, undeserved favor, his goodness, his kindness, his mercy upon my life, he saved me. And that's why I tell everybody, the night that Christ saved me, I, I, everything opened up. I became alive and understanding who God was and who I was. He's holy, I'm not. He's perfect, I'm a wretch. He's right, I'm wrong. And I realize it's not just Marty. It's The truth of the matter is it's all men. No matter where they come from, no matter what their status is in a community, no matter what their skin color is, their ethnic background, whatever the case may be, all men, as it says here in Ephesians chapter 2, And Paul puts himself in this too, among them we too all, by nature are children of wrath. See, we come into this world guilty. We come into this world condemned. There is no hope. There is no justifying. There is no way to make us right with God. God is the one who has to As the one who's been offended, he is the one who demonstrates, who pours out, who brings forth his grace to us, and that is absolutely mind-boggling. That to me is, that's where it brings me to my knees. It brings me to my face flat on the ground. It brings me to a point in place that I realize I don't deserve it. I haven't done nothing to merit it. Why me? Why'd you save me? Because of His grace. That's the answer. If you're listening to this podcast and you're saved, that's the answer, period. It's nothing else because of His grace. It's not because, again, of a last name. It's not because of a status. It's not because you're a great person, a good person. There's no such person. It's not because you're a righteous person. That doesn't exist. The bottom line is it's because of his grace. That's why I've told people for years, Romans chapter 5, when you study Romans chapter 5, it is mind-boggling because when you begin to study Romans chapter 5, you begin to realize what mankind is about. And, you know, we were helpless, we are ungodly, we're sinners, we're enemies of God. But in the midst of all this, Christ died for us. God showed his love towards us. He poured out his mercy, his goodness, his kindness that led us to repentance. He's the one who did something that we can't do. And going back here to my point about grace— Verse 8, for by grace you've been saved. By the way, do you know that's the second time that's mentioned in that passage? A lot of people talk about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but they forget what it says um, in verse 4. Listen to this. But God being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. So God is merciful, God is loving us, which is all showing his grace. Listen to verse 5 even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. And this is in parentheses. Every Bible I pick up, it's in parentheses. By grace you've been saved. So we have this constantly, constantly, here in this passage, at least twice I should say, but to me that's, anytime you see anything repeated, whether it's two or more times, it's its priority, it, it's like the flashing light, take notice, this is of the utmost importance, you need to pay attention to this, we've been saved by grace! And And folks, honestly, if we don't get this and understand this, then it is going to be not only problematic for us, in the future in so many ways, but it's detrimental to our relationship and supposed relationship we have with God. Here's why. I firmly believe that if anyone answers the question, if God would say to you tonight, if you would die, he would say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? If your answer has anything to do with you, you're most likely not saved. Now, I know some people are going to get upset about hearing that. There are probably some people going to, you know, you may even tune me out and say, that's it, I ain't listening to this ATR stuff anymore, I'm done. But it's true. I'm saying to you lovingly, if you've inserted yourself into the answer, other than receiving grace that you didn't deserve, you couldn't merit it, it's because God, in his love, in his mercy, in his kindness, in his goodness, through his son, Jesus Christ. If it's not about Jesus Christ and who he was and what he did, then you don't understand salvation. If you put yourself in it, then you believe somehow you are going to gain, you're going to merit, or you deserve to be in heaven. How many of you ever heard this? I hear this quite often, and it's disturbing to me. Heaven is a better place because they're there now. What? See, that even disturbs me because, once again, the focus is upon the individual and not upon the God who created heaven, the God who has saved us, rescued us, delivered us, um, reconciled us, forgave us, etc., etc. It's Christ is not the focus. It's almost like his death, his suffering, his life, and everything he went through, and especially his death, wasn't sufficient. Like it's missing something, and that something is you. That's not true. Because Jesus was fully God and fully man, he was the perfect sacrifice, he was what we are not. And his righteousness is imputed unto our account. We're not made righteous, and that's a whole other program sometime in the future, but it's imputed. It's placed upon. We're no longer guilty when we're saved. We're no longer condemned. There's no longer condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The truth of the matter is it's all about Christ. So my first concern is if you insert yourself, you may not be saved. You may have not heard the true gospel message the gospel of God's grace. You have heard a message that's a different gospel and as Paul points out in Galatians chapter 1 anyone who preaches another god gospel contrary to the gospel that has been preached there to be accursed anathema. That's problematic. And there's a problem too because as I mentioned in the last podcast there were Jews who were telling people, listen, if you don't keep the law of Moses, you don't get circumcised, you don't do certain things, you can't be saved. And there's some people who even believe that now they mix salvation and sanctification. They, they believe that they have to do this and have to do that, can't do this, can't do that. They, they, they're continually believing that somehow they're climbing the ladder to get into heaven, and that if they do enough, they'll be okay or if they don't do certain things, and forgive me, but it's just the truth. They begin to look at salvation and sin, uh, The really the whole topic of salvation, from almost a Roman Catholic point of view, which is sad. Then you 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 never really go to heaven at first. You have to go to purgatory in, in order to be cleansed, uh, to be purified, in order to go because you still got a lot of junk and garbage, which once again denounces the sufficiency— of Jesus and his death upon the cross not to mention his resurrection it gets it gets really dirty and ugly we're not justified and even justification between one who's a protestant and a roman catholic that's two different understandings even though some of the terminology may be the same it begins to differ uh, and we firmly believe by god's word that we are declared Justified, we're we are declared we are we are declared righteous. That justification is a declaration of righteousness, and it's not our righteousness; it's a foreign righteousness. It's Christ righteousness. We don't become righteous. If that would be the case, then we would no longer be sinners. We wouldn't continue to sin. Well, there's some people out there who believe that, and that's believing nonsense. Because 1 John chapter 1 makes it clear that we still are sinners. It's the person who habitually is in sin is the one who should be concerned in 1 John 3. They don't know God. But we as humans, we are going to continue in a battle. Paul talked about the battle in the, uh, and all that he went through in the book of Romans. Uh, and again, the things that he shouldn't do, he's doing. The things that he should do, he's not doing. I mean, he, there was a battle inside of him that rages between the flesh and the spirit. Uh, The book of Romans, Paul writes about this. They have nothing in common. And the reason why there's nothing in common, because we have to realize that the Spirit of God, we must obey the Spirit of God and not the flesh, because if we obey the flesh, we'll never please God. Again, that's a whole other topic, too. But going back here to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Now, again, this is important because when we begin to talk about faith— And through faith, we believe wholeheartedly that this faith, according to what we're told in the Word of God, it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So even when it comes to faith, that's where theologically people will talk about faith, Uh, this type of faith, we're talking about saving faith. And saving faith is important, because without saving faith, or that gift that comes from God of faith, which is saving faith, uh, you would not be saved. And a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, a lot of people don't get that. Uh, some people believe that we're all born with this element of faith. We just have to unlock the, the little door that the faith, you know, compartments in and, and allow faith to rule. And once faith begins to rule, uh, we'll be okay and, and uh, you know, we'll do what, you know, we're supposed to do before God, et cetera, et cetera. But once again, it just proves that we don't understand faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. So it's a part of God's grace. So even in this aspect of of, uh, we are told to put our faith in Christ, that faith that we're putting in Christ is a gift from God. Once again, it is the faith um, that is given to us by God's grace. And by the way, um, when we talk about faith, I I just want to insert this for a moment. Uh, whether it's by faith or through faith, um, um, it's never on the account of faith. Uh, faith is the means of justification, not the cause or the ground. Matter of fact, if you study uh, Romans chapter five, four and five, and you talk about justification, you begin to understand that Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection is, the cause and the grounds of our justification. Faith is not the means. Um, uh, it, well, it is the means. It's it's not the cause or ground of justification. So some people put their faith in faith, which we got to be careful because we don't put our faith in our faith. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. And I could talk a lot about that, but I won't today here on this podcast. But going back to the text here, we've been saved. For by grace you've been saved, through faith, not of yourselves, as a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one shall boast. Here's the, here's the bottom line is, these two verses make it distinctively clear it's not about us, and it is all about God and his grace. We can't take credit. We will never boast before God. We will never be able to stand and say, listen, I did it my way. I'm the one. I, I, you know what? I, I deserve some credit in this. I, I remember years ago, a gentleman left a church that I was pastoring, and we were talking about God's grace. We were talking about election. We were talking about different things uh, within the uh, realm of uh, soteriology or salvation. And he came up to me, and he was very straightforward. He put out his hand. He shook my hand, and he wouldn't let go he said, I love you. I love you as my brother and my friend, but I will never come back to this church. <laughs> and I said, what? And I thought he was joking at first, because he would be a jokester at times. Uh, and him and his wife, just lovely people. And he said, I cannot attend to a church that teaches this which is not true. And I said, what? And he he was very serious. He says... um. I'm telling you, someday I'll stand before God. And he said, I'm going to answer that question that you asked. If I were to die and stand before God, and God would say to me, why should I let you into heaven? He said, I'm going to look at God, and I'm going to say to him, the reason why you should let me into heaven is because I determined to choose your son, Jesus Christ, to be my Savior. And when he said that, I, I was like, I looked at him, I said, you're kidding, right? He said, no. I chose Christ. I chose him. I decided to be saved. And he said, I don't know what this nonsense you're teaching, but it is. He said, we are creatures of free will and i determined that i needed a savior and i wanted to be saved and so i believed that jesus is the answer so i called upon him my only response was simply this you'll never do that you may say you'll do that it's never going to happen and i hate to say this that he believes he's saved and people around him think he's saved i don't now i i know that i'm not god and some would say that you it sounds like you're judging well I'm just saying to you that he's got it wrong. And see, I'm convinced that most people that I've talked to over the years have got it wrong. I remember years ago in a church, we went out and we did a survey, and we gave out Walmart gift cards, and we asked people like four or five questions. All they had to do is answer the question on video. They got a gift card. Some people didn't want to do it, but most people did. But here's the key. Everyone, we did about 100 people, everyone except for one person, gave the right answer. The rest of them, the 99 said, it's because of what I did and what I didn't do, because of who I am, what position I have in the church, whatever it may be. And I firmly believe that those 99 were lost. And some of them were leaders in the church, Bible teachers in the church. But they were firmly convinced it was based upon what they had done or hadn't done. They inserted themselves in the answer to why God should let them into heaven. I'm here to tell you all today that if we truly do understand the grace of God in truth, we'll understand that it's all about him and not about us. We'll understand the words of Jesus that I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Because man ain't seeking after God. Man ain't desiring God. Man has nothing to offer God. Salvation is not where we sit at a table when we bargain with God. I've heard of people saying to me over the years, well, I made a deal with God many years ago. God is not in the business of making deals with human beings. God is God alone. God has determined the right, the just judgment upon man for sin, and all men will experience, all men will, are by nature children of wrath. All men truly need a Savior because without Jesus Christ, they are going to experience the wrath of his Father. But the terms and the conditions have nothing to do with what we do, what we say. It's not based upon a prayer that we pray. It's not based upon us walking an aisle to an altar. It's not based upon us answering a card that's given out or us coming forward. It's not based upon whether we cry or we don't cry. It's not based upon anything that we bring forth. It is all based upon what God has said and what God has done through his answer, through his answer, which is his son, Jesus Christ. That's what men need to understand. And men need to understand, too, when it comes to the grace of God, all men are sinners, whether men have killed, whether they have raped, whether they have stolen, whether they have done drugs or drunks, whether they have prostituted themselves, have been whoremongers, whether they've been involved in homosexuality, whether they've been in lying and cheating or whatever they may have done, or maybe they were raised in an environment where very few, if any of those I mentioned, have been done. The bottom line is the same. All men are guilty before God. All men need a Savior. All men are sinners. All men are destitute. All men are, by nature, children of wrath. And until we understand this, that that was me, it will never be able to be brought forward in the way that God would want us to bring it forward in the world in which we live by sharing the gospel, by reaching the lost, because we see through our own human eyes we become the judge, we become the jury, We determine who needs to hear the gospel and who doesn't, who will be in heaven and who won't be. We have enough arrogance to believe that somehow we are the ones that can make it happen or not happen. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the truth of the matter is, all men will give an account to God. All men will be judged by whether or not they have believed or they have disbelieved in God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Salvation is by grace alone. We are saved by grace. All men are saved the same way, by the grace of God. So much more I could say on this issue, and I mean this sincerely. I could talk about uh, the fact that uh, the work of God in John six twenty nine, the work of God is for men to believe. Even believing in faith has to take the work of God. God has to be stirring and working in somebody in order for them. He gives the gift of faith for men to believe. We don't have it. I could talk about Acts chapter 11, verse 18, the gift of God granting repentance. Man can't repent on his own. God has to grant it. But at the same time, we're commanded, as we're told in Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31, that God no longer is going to accept this ignorance, that he is commanding all men everywhere to what? To repent, and ultimately to believe in his Son, Jesus Christ. But the truth of the matter is, man can't believe, man can't repent, man can't do anything without... The grace of God. It's God who's at work. Once again, he who began the good work in you will continue to the very end. And then when you are saved, Philippians 2.13, for it is God who's at work within you to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, God gets all the glory. God gets all the credit. It's all about God That's why we bow. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. That's why we give glory and praise and honor. That's why we gather together as the church to worship our King, our Lord, our Savior, our great Redeemer, Jesus Christ. It's all about him. And we are the recipients who didn't deserve it, who couldn't merit it, but have experienced and are living and breathing in the grace of God. I hope and pray that this uh, podcast has been uh, revealing to you. I hope that you've learned something, and I truly mean that. And I know that there is still, I think, a lot of confusion for a lot of people, and there's a lot more I could say. But uh, again, uh, for our time period and what has happened today, I hope and pray that you will continue uh, to live on, and you will grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Until next time, thanks for listening to Apologetics Talk Radio here on the ATR Network. I'm your host, Marty Minto. Love to hear from you. Email me, Minto at gmail.com. Don't forget the free pamphlet, Who is Jesus to You, is available. All you have to do is get a hold of me We'll send you a bunch of them that you can give out to people. You can study for yourselves, but don't forget, again, what we've learned today, the most important thing, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. Until next time, God bless you and your family.